with one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone's having a good day and rocking out to whatever you're listening to, new music, old music, classic music, whatever it is. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Today, we have a very special guest hailing from North Carolina from the band Diamonds and Whiskey. We have Jenny Webb. How are you doing today, Jenny? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. I do appreciate it. As every guest comes on, I get to showcase new music and expose my followers to new great music that I'm listening to and that I'm digging. So uh, happy to have you on. It's awesome that you do this for musicians, for sure. We appreciate it. Hey, hey, it's my pleasure, and I enjoy doing it. The first question we always ask first-time guests is always the same, and it is the essence of the podcast, and that is just like every rock song has a hook that sucked you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a band, a performance, an album, or a song that hooked them on rock and roll. What hooked you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> it, it had to be the Metallica Black album. I think I wore that thing out uh, when I was younger. Um just, it was on repeat for a solid year. And I think that's where I, I really, really got into uh, the rock and roll more. And then the, I, the album for me was like everything. And then just a lot of things followed that for me. <laughs> but, but I didn't grow up with music. I, I grew up in the radio and like TV, so I wasn't exposed to it until I was a little bit older. Um, so that was my first exposure really to music and rock and roll. Yeah, that was such a huge album, you know, during the early 90s. Um, I think. Yeah, it really was. It was yeah. Massive. yeah, and they really, you know, changed their sound from the previous album, which was Injustice for All. They went from this really hardcore thrash band that basically started that whole movement to a band with, you know, more hooks, a little bit more melody in their music. Uh, Bob Rock was the producer on that album, who's just, you know, has produced so many classic albums, you know, from not only Metallica, but other bands as well. And really crossed over into mainstream and brought a whole new fan base, you know, into the lore of Metallica. Absolutely. Where did it go from there? From Metallica to what? What was the next thing that you enjoyed listening to and got into? Okay, so I'm, I kind of was in that rock and roll thing. So I was from there, you know, the, the real classic, the part, Led Zeppelin, um, 
you know, that, that sort of thing. But I ended up more in the 90s rock, you know, the um, alternative scene. The Netflix 20 is my favorite band of all time. So um, that was, oh, that album, uh, You Yourself is Someone Like You, that was my, it still is. I still put that album on and play the whole thing. Um, so my favorite album of all time. Uh, so I went really into the 90s thing. When it's more sad, you know, I did what a lot of people did at that age and, and that time. So it was, um, that is that type of music that really started shaping my teen years, if you will. And what was it or who was it that made you want to perform? I mean, where, when was that moment that, that it's like, you know, I want to do that? Oh, gosh, that was not. That was when I was really young. I saw Kenya Tucker at a, at a balloon festival when I was five years old. And that was my first time when I looked up there and I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> Yeah, my <laughs> my first concert. Everyone's always surprised when they tell me. It's like, well, who was the first person that you saw in concert? And I'm like Eddie Rabbit, <laughs> and they're like, oh, wow. and they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, Eddie Rabbit. Uh, what was that? I love a rainy night was his big hit, and my parents yeah. took me. I think I was like four years old, uh, four or five, and and uh, fell in. You know, I love music ever since. But yeah, I mean, that was uh, that was a big moment for me. Oh, that's awesome. That's really, really cool. What was it, or was there a song, a performer that you heard that made you want to write music? Um, gosh, there, there are several. Um, but I would say Rob Thomas was the first person that really made me want to write because I appreciate his, the way he writes so much. I mean, his words are incredible. But um, aside from him, actually, it's Eminem. <laughs> I, um, I wanted to be a lyricist and he he really inspired me just the way he he like the way he put the words together the phrasing everything like I I just have loved him and for so many years and he really inspired me as a songwriter um and just everything that he came out of too personally when you write music, when you're writing lyrics, you know, how do you find the connection to the subject? I mean, is it based on personal experience? Is it about things that you've observed? It, you know, do you have that out-of-body experience where, you know, you're doing your thing and you have, like, this other thing with your mind that you're kind of, like, writing the song as you do things or, or experience things? What's that like for you? So my, everything that I write, which I write, our songs, you know, every lyric is mine. It's, um, they're all based on emotion. I mean, for me, it just pours out of me. And, and the first album, Heartbreak Queen, is, they're all stories about something that's happened. Uh, usually I write in the moment, so it's a, it's a rather new album and a rather new song. So it's all, all based off of my life. Um, so I, I have a hard time writing from an outside perspective. I did do that not long ago for my first time ever, and it worked out really well, just writing about someone else's life. Um, but that was the first time I had done that. So I'm experimenting more with that now. But, um, but for me, for me, it's, it's connected to emotion and what I've been through. So that's what you're getting on the album is, you know, stories from my life or things that have happened. Um, and then recently we just got time in a film, so I actually got to write a song for a film. And um, and that worked out really, really well for us. So it just, that was my first time doing that. But even then, I, I had to feel the story. I had to put myself in it. You know, it's, it's all going to come from that part. I can't just sit down and write lyrics that really mean nothing. When you're writing about, you know, life experiences, 
is that a difficult process? Because not all experiences are positive ones, right? Some are not so positive. And when you're reconnecting with that moment or situation and reliving it, that can be a daunting task. You know, what's it like for you when you're doing that? Yeah, so there are a couple songs on this album, the one we just released, that I we don't even play it live this time because I can't get to um, They're so personal to me. And I didn't want to put them on the album. That's how personal it was to me. Um, and so it's very difficult. When I mean, I cried on stage. I, you know, there are a couple on there that are really, really, I mean, I, I, it takes me back to that place. Um, and not so much breakup stuff. You know, there are a few breakup songs on there, but more childhood trauma and you know things that happened in my life that inspired me as a writer but at the same time are so difficult to talk about but I think they're important you know, I think they're important for people to say so we've all been through so many different things in our lives and I think you could find just about anything on that album you know because of that because I wrote about it but it's um yeah it's definitely a difficult process it's, um, it's easy to write about it's another thing to go ahead and perform it you know well, you, you know, you're exposing yourself, you know, I mean, you have some vulnerability too. I mean, you're, you're allowing your audience to be, you know, show a personal side of you and let you in on things that are, are, are very personal to you, you know? Uh, absolutely. And that's the problem. And my band pushes me. They're, my band is so wonderful, but and they love the emotional songs and the audience does too. So the songs that I find that I think people won't want to listen to tend to be the ones that you can hear a pin drop in the audience because they're listening to the story because it's so personal and you can tell because I wear it. I can't not wear it. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really difficult, but at the same time, I've learned as a performer over time that it's important to share those moments with your audience because then they, they really get to connect to you. Um, it's just, but like I said, it's really difficult. Writing it is therapy for me, so I enjoy writing it because it helps me release that. But when you get up to the forehead, it's like, oh, gosh, I'm naked. It's so strange, you know? Well, yeah, and then the, you know, you find the connection with the audience. I mean, as as you're sending that out, people who have experienced those things are connecting with the song. I mean, and that's what makes the synergy of music so beautiful is because you're writing about your experiences and you're laying it out there for everybody. And there's people that connect with it. There's people that have you know gone through similar situations. I've always brought up in in previous conversations on this podcast. Butch Walker, who's a great singer-songwriter, one of my favorite artists, um, helped me get through my divorce like 12 years ago. Right. You know, because his, you know, his album that he had out at the time and then the next album that he put out. And that's why his music and seeing him perform has always been special to me because there is that connection there. Right. Where or how did Diamonds and Whiskey begin. Tell us a little bit about the history of the band. Yeah, so I founded this band about three years ago, and I wasn't planning to start a band. I really just wanted to play some music, do some covers. I was going through extensive IV therapy for Lyme disease at the time. I was pretty sick. And I just needed an outlet. And um, I don't know, about six months into it, I realized that that wasn't going to be enough, and that I really wanted to do this. And um ended up writing an album, like, in no time. <laughs> and so, from that process, um, you know, me and the Megaparents at the time was on the album and went and recorded it, and a year later, we started playing out. So we've only been playing out, you know, gig-wise for less than two years now. 
Um, and then we waited till this past fall to release the album. So we're really a young band. Like, it, it did not start as a, a plan to be a band, you know? <laughs> it's more like a, oh, let's just have some fun. And then it turned into this amazing album. And then, you know, all of a sudden, we've got management booking agents and we're touring all over the country. And I don't know, it just kind of blew up in my face. And I wish I had a, a definite answer for exactly how that happened. But I think I just worked really hard at it without, you know, really thinking about it. Um, so, yeah, as long as the mix we just kind of formed over time, you know, band members have kind of came and went in the beginning, but I've had the same core group now for two years or more. So that's been amazing. Um, and I don't, I don't know, it just, um, it just kind of all happens for us. Um, where we're, we're starting to really get some traction and I, I couldn't be happier about that, but it was not the plan. <laughs> I, mean, I had a day job and everything else before, and, and so this was really just supposed to be therapy for me. And then I enjoy, I learned that I enjoyed writing music, which I had not done in my life really until, you know, Don and Misty started. So, um, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, that's really that's, good answer because yeah. it, it, it was kind of like a whole bunch of things happened and it just kind of came together. And you know, you meet people on Craigslist or someone, you know, again, not a player. I asked another field player to play with us, and she, uh, he wasn't available, so he was like, "Oh, you should call Elena. She would be perfect for you." And Elena came on, and we've been, you know, pretty much best friends ever since. And she's more into rock and roll, like I am, because she's about your country fiddler. Um, she's from Siberia and uh, classically trained violinist. So if you ever see us play, we're doing a lot of classic rock and a lot of crazy violins where we're bringing it out. But, you know, it's stuff you don't see every day. So I think that's one reason we've kind of moved along a little faster because it's so different from what you would usually get from a country or a rock show. It's somewhere in the middle, but both fan bases love it, you know? Yeah. And some people like it up to a, a country heart, if you will. Well, I, I I enjoy the TNT cover that I saw on YouTube. That was uh that was really good. Oh yeah, it's unexpected and it gets people. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we love to pull that out. I mean, you know, that was that that cover was done at uh, TCMS, which is one of the biggest country music festivals in the country. But for example, we played mostly rock and roll that show um, because that's what we do, and people love it anyway. You know, because it's really a blend of of both styles of music. Um, so you add Island and something like that, you know, it's going to land a little more of the country. But, but yeah, so we, we just created, I feel like, our own sound. And I'm, I'm sure we've got some songs off the album, or at least one song off the album. So, um, you know, it's a little different. It's not either traditional country or, or rock and roll. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, on your electronic press kit, your EPK, you guys mentioned, you know, kind of the swamp rock. And you know the, right. the the only other person that I know that's ever been called Swamp Rock is Tony Joe White, and uh, the song that he does the cover I think it's an Elvis cover of uh, Polk Salad Annie is one of my favorite tunes by him. He's awesome. Didn't he do Rainy Night in Georgia? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, yes. I know you're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah. So swamp, to me, it is kind of Swamp Rock, and, and all the guitarist is from Louisiana. So when you hear those riffs in the songs, you know, that's him. And he's born and raised, you know, in New Orleans. And that's where we get that swampy sound from. And it's, uh, people love it live. I mean, they love it. And and it's definitely different. So when you see us, we're going to fill out in a room full of rock and roll or, or country bands or anything else. Because we're getting something 
it's probably still catchy enough to be mainstream. Yeah, you know, I hear a lot of different elements in your music. You know, I hear the country. I definitely hear the rock and roll. I hear, you know, some blues in there as well. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so it's a really nice combination, and it sounds really modern. It's got a great sound. It's got, you know, great hooks in it. And, you know, I've I been listening over the past week or so, and it's and I've really, really enjoyed the album. Oh, thank you so much. I wasn't sure if you'd gotten to, but... So, yeah, so, you know, you got Heartbreak Queen, which is a fun song. Um, and, and then the, it goes into Waste on Your Love, which kind of takes you down into a little more heartache. And then, you know, Hands Down, which is more angry. And Muddy Waters, of course, more angry. And But you got 25 to Life, which is about my brother's drug addiction. And Hero, which is about me being sick with Lyme disease. I mean, there's so many things in this album that are so different. And I feel like it ranges from, from rock to country to pop to blues. You know, so you're getting a little of everything but it still kind of gets together I think that's what bothers me a lot of times with bands when I go see a band that I get the same thing for the whole time you know and especially if I'm playing a longer show you're going to get some sort of variety in our music I mean we do play all of our originals and people you know still love to share so they're doing something right there you know, the one band that I kept thinking of when I was listening to your music was Blackberry Smoke because they're very similar in that they can play country, they can right. play blues, they can play rock, you know, they can pretty much do it all. And I, when I was listening to the to the album, I'm like, yeah, this kind of reminds me of that kind of same type of feel and same type of influence as Blackberry Smoke. Exactly. And, and um, now I did not listen to Blackberry Smoke before I wrote this album or anything like that. But now that I have listened to them, um, I hear the same thing. So, and I, I actually really enjoy their music. Um, just really fun. I'm very much into that Southern rock thing, too. So um, I've listened to a lot of them. Even the Cadillac Free, which is more country, but, but still has that rock element. Um, the Steelwood. There's a lot of bands right now that I'm like, oh, yeah. And I feel like not many females are tapping into that. Um, the more rock side of country, or it doesn't, at least I haven't found quite that yet. But, um, but I love that we're doing that. So I, I really want to bring more of that element to country music. I feel like we need that almost moving hell side of country. <laughs> you know? so, um, but with, with a little more country in, instrumentation, it's probably going more to the countryside. But, but I think we cross pollinate really well in both worlds. No, I agree. I, I think you're 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 dead on on that. You know, I mean, one thing I don't like is as as music has come to you know current day in reality. There's so many different labels of music. You know, whether it's you know I grew up with pop rock, rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and then there was thrash. That was basically it. Now there's you know country rock, there's stoner rock, there's this kind of rock, there's that kind of rock, and it's like it's all rock and roll, right? I mean, it's all, it all stems, it all comes from the same place, you know? And I think sometimes there's too many labels on what you're listening to. And I think it kind of, sometimes it confuses the audience into thinking something else, what it is. And I think that's part of the problem with, you know, the, 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 the state of rock and roll today. I completely agree with that. I, I was asked a question in another interview not long ago about, I think Loretta Lynn, she said, you know, country isn't country anymore, something like that in an interview. And, and, and well, yes, that is true. Um, you know, of course, if we're playing the same old country every day, 
because the way it was written way back then, I mean, we would be playing the same chord structures ever. I mean, it, that music has to evolve. It just has to. There's, there's no way for everything to stay the same, and, and there's a billion people on the planet that are all going to want to do different things. But uh, my answer to that for me is that good is good. Like, I don't really care what we we're, we're going to label it. If I like it, I like it. You know, I think so many people get caught up in trying to figure out what genre or what goes in. And um, that's never something I, re- I really want to do. You know, it's just, to me, if it's something I like, you know, like, I mean, I was listening to Christina Aguilera earlier. You know, so I listen to everything. <laughs> Yeah, I 100% agree. If it, if it is good and the songs are good and it's got a hook, you know, people are going to like it and it's good music, you know, and no matter what people want, you know, how they want to label it or what genre they want to put it in. This it's all about the song. Right. It's all about how good the music is and it'll resonate with people if it's good and it, and if it's not it won't. And you know, the stuff that you're doing with the debut album, it is resonating with people. I mean, you mentioned you guys have only been doing this for about two years and, and look where you guys are at. I mean, that's, you know, that's because you got good songs and you got good music. Absolutely. I really believe that. And I, I didn't really know what this was going to come out. Like when we first recorded the album, we kind of did a demo version. It was very raw and, and put it out and, you know, let it get reviewed. And I was shocked because it wasn't high quality or anything like that, but people loved it. So we went on and actually had, we did the album, had it mixed and mastered by Dale, Dale Penner, um, who is, he did Nickelback, I think, first to Broadway. He's in Canada and he's absolutely amazing. And so he, he did our album and it just came out, you know, really with that rock edge that I wanted. Um, stellar job on the vocals and everything. So I, and now that it's out and we really haven't had to put much push behind it yet. <laughs> it's just kind of, kind of getting there and streaming all over the world um, and, and especially in Europe right now um, that's where we're getting more traction so I, I expect we'll be over there in a year or so um, which is we may belong there more you know just we'll see what happens but I'm uh, I don't know I'm excited to see where it goes we're in pre-production now for the next album so I'm gonna we have the next two albums actually already pretty much written so um, we got a lot planned for the next couple of years well that's great you know I do, I do think that Europe and the UK are a little ahead of America right now when it become, when it comes to new music, where they're more accepting of new artists. You know, I, I've I've talked about this extensively on the podcast about you know where new music is going and and where's the infrastructure for new music, and I think it's slowly turning. I think it's kind of right underneath the surface right now. But when you look at to Europe and when you look to the UK, I think they are light years ahead of us with with the audience being more accepting instead of always clinging to the classic rock bands that a lot of American rock bands do. Right. Yeah. I feel like we, we've definitely gotten more response. I think we're probably getting more six from the, the Euro country charts right now. It's kind of crazy to me because over here and people love what we do here. Don't get me wrong. But over there, they, it seems like they start a little more for new music and are excited about new things. Um, and you don't have to be on the radio to to really get the play or the attention. And it's kind of nice because it just seems a little more open to that sort of thing, like you said. So, so I, like I said, I expect to, um, that we'll be over there at some point. Um, we're already in contact with several places there. So I'm, I'm excited to see what that brings to us. What types of challenges, um, you know, do you face as a new band maybe that you weren't expecting? 
Yeah, so it's been tough. Um, we didn't play much uh, in, in, in 2018. Um, it's hard to get both uh, as a new band, uh, especially when you're not a cover band. And don't get me wrong, we play covers, and, and that's our thing, and then we'll do a three-hour show if we have to, but, but I really set my sights higher. So we didn't do things the way most bands do. Usually you book as many days as you can, bars, coffee shops, whatever it is. I know most of my friends who are amazing musicians, and they're on Disney all the time. God bless them, that's amazing. Um, for me, I wanted to take my band in a different way, a different approach, and so I set my sights really high. So I, I only applied for, for festivals and hour slots, places where I knew we were going to get to play our original music. And it was hard <laughs> because no one wanted to play, <laughs> of course, because we weren't playing all the time. Um, but eventually, you know, uh, about a year and three months ago, a guy gave us a shot. He loved to play the Orange Hill in Asheville, North Carolina. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's a pretty famous venue and it's, it's big. And it was a benefit. And it was the first time actually playing a pretty decent show. And we had only five fifteen shows before that in the past year. So I was I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, hopefully this goes well and it was it just took that one time someone giving us a chance. Um, but it took a year to get that chance, someone to actually give us a good gig. And then after that, next thing I know, we were getting phone calls. Um, someone said I heard you play. The sound guy called us and said you're amazing, you know, because we really brought something completely different um and after that we got looked up the festivals i mean it just happened and then next thing you know we're flying to california playing showcases and you know we got kind of trying to get entertained out of boston and just it just all of a sudden happened and it really just took that one chance to show people what we could do at a bigger venue and those connections and um you know that person still calling me to play shows he's amazing and and really gave me that opportunity to I would say the biggest challenge, and I guess, and I, I don't talk much about this because I don't get into whole politics and things. I will say, as a female country artist, it is very difficult. It is not easy. If you look at the major festivals, I mean, we're playing CCMS this summer again, and we're on the main stage this year, which is amazing. And it's all about it. I mean, there's, I think there's one female right now, but other than us, I mean, it's, you know, Last year we played there were only a few women playing and out of 40 bands or something. It's, it's kind of crazy, you know, when you think about it. So I feel like as a female artist, it can be a little more difficult. And that's not guys' fault. I'm still like people buy tickets to go see guys play, you know, and that's how it is. So that's my biggest challenge anyway is getting booked. Yeah, that's an interesting approach that you took. You know, I, I, I've talked about the cover bands and how they do affect a local rock scene and how the audience really pushes that because audiences today, they want to go hear and see what they know. You know, they want to be right. able to see like a live jukebox of their fan favorites and, and the songs they grew up with. And that's, and that hurts the, the local bands and the local scene of original music because, you know, what's a, what's a club owner or a bar owner going to do? Is he going to hire the band that's all original that maybe will bring in an X amount of people? Or is he going to bring in the, the hot cover band that, he knows he's going to sell liquor that night. And and so it's a tough thing for club owners and bar owners to do because the audience is really driving that. I mean, it used to be back when I was younger that original rock in clubs and bars was a, was a thing. It was a scene. And people would show up to these clubs and, and bars, whether they were fans of the, of the original band or they just wanted to see new music. And 
somewhere along the way, that changed. And I think that's a really integral part in the future success of rock music and country rock and hard rock or whatever it is um, to turn that audience back to wanting to hear original music, music that's good, that has good songs, um, instead of always relying on that familiarity of, of what they know. Uh, right, absolutely. And, and see, I understand that completely. And it, and I don't hate on it. Like, I people have to make money, you know, and that's really all that is. And for me, it was getting to a place where we built a big enough fan base um, in our region where people would want to book us anyway. And so that's really what I felt like I had to do. And that took a lot of marketing. It took my working my day job really hard so I could put money into marketing. And I think that's the difference. So, you know, we are pushing 24,000 fans on Facebook. And, you know, it's, it's because I took on music and, and I, you know, we got into award ceremonies. You know, we, we were in it in the Carolina Music Awards, Carolina Country Music Awards. And, and now there's still more this year. I mean, it just took a lot of branching out and reaching out to people in different avenues instead of just calling the local bar or whatever. Yeah, we can do a three hours set. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, I, I kind of, and I don't look down on it, but I've, I've set my sights higher, and I'm so just determined to get there. But I, I wanted to, I found myself first, basically, and I was like, this is what I feel like I'm worth, and by God, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so I feel like I just kind of wheeled it in there. <laughs> but, but it, you know, in my band, I think it drives them a little tight. Or it did for a while, drive them a little nuts because I've driven them all over the country showcasing them. And they're probably like, oh my gosh. I mean, we drove 26 hours to stop the car to the showcase and turn right back around and did 26 hours back just to play 20 minutes. And I know people thought I was nuts. But I knew that if we could get in front of, you know, talent buyers that could see what we did, it would work. And it did. And now our summer just out with major festivals and state fairs and, you know, so. It, I just felt like it took a different approach, and I won't say your things, and, I, and I'm, you know, I'm going to get there somehow. I don't know if we're going to be the famous, but we're going to make money playing music, and that was my goal. So the album released last year, Heartbreak Queen, uh, debut album. Tell us about the process of recording that. Oh, gosh, this is a, it was a short and long process. Um, the album was written in three months. Um, and I, we practiced really hard before we pulled across the country to Seattle to record. We went to, we went to Seattle to record with Greg Markle at um, Recovery Studio. It's just amazing. He's incredible. He did all these stuff for Death Pack with Judy, and he, he makes the effects puddles, and is just one of the most amazing musicians I've ever met. But before we recorded in his studio, um, and put out, one song, or 11 song, actually, demo album. That's what I was talking about earlier. It was kind of raw. Um, and then got a bunch of reviews in, went and showcased some places, let different people hear the music, and the, the only negative feedback I got was, you know, it's not ready or ready yet. Um, otherwise, songs are great. Everything's there. It needs to be ready or ready. So we needed to do some more production, uh, shorten some songs, that sort of thing. So we took the original recording, and then we went to a place in Charlotte called Old House, which was about a month later, and recorded new parts for it. Elena came in, she brought mandolin, fiddle, um, we, we did more acoustic guitar, 
the steel guitar, it was less on the album to me original. That's Greg Markle, which I think is just magical. But, um, you know, on the piano, the vocals, you know, we just did a lot. So there was a second part to the recording process. Um, so we did that, and then we started working with Dale Penner in Canada. Now, we had not met Dale yet. We were just Skyping. Um, but we sent him all the music, and he gave us feedback and ideas. So we would go back in and record that and then send it back to him. And, and then he mixed it all together and gave us this final uh, product. And that was kind of how the album was done. But it took about a year to get it all finished up. Uh, the, the actual days of recording, there's only about eight total days of recording in that album. That's how fast we did it. Um, but that's because we practiced it six months before we went in the studio. <laughs> When you're putting together an album like this and you have, you know, the, the musicians that you have in the band, how is everyone's influences, how, do, how does everyone's influence become a part of the music that you record? Um, actually, I think that's the most important thing about our music is where we all come from and how I really wanted everyone to put their own little thing in the album. Um, and so our drummer, Christopher Penny, is a rocker through and through. I mean, just, he's amazing, but that's where he comes from. He doesn't know the first thing really about country. Um, or anything else. And I like that. Um, he, he'll tell you all the things all day. So he gives me a lot of calls. He does nothing. You'll hear that tribal element, you know, if it moves you down. Um, but yeah, he brings that side of things to the band. Elena, as I mentioned before, is from Siberia. She's actually trained violinist. So her violin work is just out of this world incredible and, and almost possible in a lot of ways. Definitely that still has that rock and roll edge instead of country. Um, and then, I, you know, I was born and raised in the country. I was possibly trained to opera um, and play piano and somehow over the years I just fell in love with rock and roll which is how I got to where I am. But I'm still a country girl. I grew up on 30 acres and, you know, so I still have that influence. And then, and then Brandon is a real country boy. So he's the most country person in the band. So he really brings the country side of things. So it's just a hodgepodge of different, you know, <laughs> music and it all kind of blends together. And I love it. I, I want the music to go where it needs to go instead of saying, oh, you've got to, you know, you need to play it this way because this is what I want. Um, I, I would much rather collaborate and have everyone bring their side of things. So I think that's another reason you're getting lots of different things on that album. Now, you mentioned that you write a lot of the lyrics. Um, is there any collaboration with anyone else in the band or outside of the band? Um, not at the moment. Um, we Now, this next album, our first single, is actually going to be a collaboration with Brandon Lambert. He's our, um, he's our guitarist right now. And he, yeah, so he actually brought some amazing lyrics for a song that's been set up. And so, yeah, we're going to have a collaboration on this one. But to, to date, so far, everything's been mine. Um, and then I'm excited for that. Like I, I want to, you know, again, explore that in different ways. And, I mean, I can write lyrics for days, but it's just, I don't know. I think it's really nice when you can get other input and bring a different element to your music. Otherwise, it all starts sounding the same, you know? Um, so, yeah, so far, everything's been, been mine lyric-wise. And most of the next album will be all me. But I'm, um, I'm really hoping other, other people in the band want to be a part of that. Now, as you evolve as an artist and the band evolves as well, you know, what, where, where are you guys going on your, on your path, right? I mean, this was your debut record. You mentioned you've got pretty much two albums already written, you know, to, to, as you go forward, 
where do you think you've evolved the most? Um, for me, I've evolved the most as a performer. Um, as, as far as like as a, as a musician, um, I'm a completely different performer than I was when we started. I was shy. You, I mean, I didn't even understand the stage, and now I am in your face and just. Crazy, <laughs> like a better turn on stage. So I, I think that's where I've involved the most. So I haven't changed too much. Um, you know, I've, I've explored a little more into rock and roll than where I started. I think I started with more of a classical feel, um, and that kind of changed. But for the most part, I've been pretty consistent. This next album is going to lean. I would say it's still going to be really rock, but it might lean a little more. To a newer country, we'll see. Um, I'm still we're still working on guitar parts and that sort of thing, so we'll we'll see where that ends up. And I'm really depend, depending on my bandmates to bring some flair to that. Um, but I want to put albums out. I mean, I, for our future path, like I know a lot of people are putting out these seeds, and, and that's great. That's awesome. But I'm a songwriter first and foremost. That is the thing that I do. That's what I bring to the band. I perform and I write songs. That's the two things I'm good at. So. Um, I'm going to write, and we're going we're gonna to put albums out. Um, and we're going to do it a different... But again, I want to be different. Um, I want to be outside the box. And what's great about Heartbreak Queen is, you know, we're on our third single release now. We've got more to release off of that album. It's, um, it's a lot a lot of good songs on there. So I'm planning for the next one to be even better. What's in store for 2020? You mentioned a couple of festivals. You know, we're in the month of March right now. We just started... So we're, you know, just starting off the year. You know, where does Diamond Diamonds and Whiskey go in 2020? So we start in May, and we, well, we're still booking, um, but we've got most of our anchor dates that's already that are huge. Um, we start with supporting Zach Brown up in the New Hampshire Pavilion, and then we go from there to Carolina Country Music Fest again, which is where Luke Combs and Church Jerry Booker and we got we're playing the main stage there. Um, and then we're we're recording our album in mid June and we're going to be in Winnipeg for that. And then we're at the North Dakota Country Festival where we open for Chris Anson. Um, then we open for Diamond Rio. Um I gosh, I don't know, our whole summer is a little crazy. <laughs> we're playing the uh, Red Lodge Radio in Montana. Uh, lots of radios out well. And lots of safe food. So we're we're anywhere from Wisconsin all the way down to Colorado throughout July um, and August. And then we come back and we're going to play a bunch of uh, North Carolina Georgia festivals as well. So, um, yeah, we just, and we're just looking for the outlaws. I don't know, know if you remember the, uh, the, the older of that group, but we, we, we'll see what date is that. I think it's May 10th, somewhere around there. So yeah, we do that in May too. So we're just, Getting a bunch of spots for big bands and um, and then filling in a bunch of big festivals in between. Now, now you mentioned a lot of festivals, and you just mentioned some doing some club dates too as well. Is that also like what you want to build on too? I mean, um, you know, getting more of an intimate crowd, you know, and, and touring across the country. Yeah, so you know, our festivals are what we call our anchor dates, the bigger ones, um, and then we're planning to play some. Some different venues that in between uh, some clubs, that sort of thing. Um, we don't do, like I said, we don't do a lot of bars, uh, and we've never really done much of that. But, but yeah, I do want to get into more of the songwriter scene, um, so we can kind of display a different side of us. A lot of our bigger shows, those mainstream shows, are really loud, 
um, you know, getting a lot of in your face. We are very excited about <laughs> So people never know what's going to happen. I said, okay, I mean, she's down on her knees playing. She's spinning around. She's not going to be proud. She's, I mean, she's just incredible. So we put on a show. I feel you don't go listen to a band. You go see a band, right? So you can put the album on and listen to them all day long. But when you actually go see them, I feel like, for me, it's about performing. Um, and that includes slowing down for a minute, of course, and playing your music song, telling your story. But it also includes jumping up and down and, and you know, being crazy. That's a part of our show. So, so, yeah, I'm looking more forward to doing some smaller clubs, too, and showing more into the side of, of what we're doing. And, and so that's where we're booking now is, is the in-between dates. Um, we'll be on the road, you know, well for a while. It's a long drive for us, and we can't just go out and then come back, you know, like where we get. Yeah, yeah. Can't drive out to South Dakota and then turn around and come back home. Now you you mentioned performing, you know, and I, and I agree a hundred percent with you. You know, people listen with their ears, obviously, but they also listen with their eyes, and you you really right. have to grab them. And especially now, I think you know, audiences want that experience and they want to be captivated and. You know, although there are some great acts out there that maybe don't have the staged presence that some others do, um, I always like the show. You know, I always like, you know, as the, as the band is playing the music or the artist is playing the music, I like to see what they're doing on stage. I, I like the presentation. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, I grew up in the, in, the, in the 80s hair metal generation, so that's a big thing for me. I mean, that's what captivated me when I was younger, and that's always stayed with me. Right, it's, and that's one of my favorites uh, too. And I feel like you would like our <laughs> Well, you know, I do look forward to seeing you. I know you mentioned Wisconsin. I do 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 go to some shows in Wisconsin, so I have to check your tour dates. If you guys ever come to Chicago, you know, have someone let me know. I definitely would love to check you guys out. Yeah, and we may be welcome to come again here after today. We'll know exactly where it's a good place to play. Um, yeah, definitely. You'll, you'll enjoy it if you like that sort of thing. Because, again, we bring all sorts of things from old to new in our show. And it's uh, never a dull moment, that's for sure. Awesome. Well, Jenny, thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, I love the conversation. Look forward to hearing more from you guys. Hopefully, hopefully checking you guys out live soon as well this year. But uh, once again, I appreciate you coming on and doing the podcast. Thank you very much. Once again, everybody, that's Jenny Webb from Diamonds and Whiskey. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. We will talk again soon. Take care. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? (laughs) 
That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 